the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today we look at that gospel reading, those words that Jesus shares with his disciples and, and with us today, too. Dear friends in Christ, did you know that if you put $2,000 away in your savings every year, or should I say if you had put $2,000 away every year when you were 20 years old for six years, you would have been a, a or will be a millionaire by the age of 65. That's really a good thing to know, isn't it? Or that children whose parents supervise their brushing of their teeth until they're seven or eight years old, that they are more likely to have less tooth decay than other children as they grow older. Good to know. Or back in the 1830s, did you know that ketchup was a medicine? You know, the world that we live in is filled with seemingly strange but potentially useful insights and facts. You know, the kind of weird truth that catches you off guard when you first hear it. But it's really valid enough to find a home in your brain. And perhaps uh, you might be able to use that well-known fact as something that might be something that can stir up a adult dinner conversation. Or even perhaps you might find that you could be a participant on Jeopardy. And the category is 19th century medicines, now used as condiments. Well, did you know that even if you travel down to Florida, for example, that more people are killed from falling coconuts off of trees than sharks? That's good to know. Well, Scripture, as we know it, it's full of good-to-know truth, too. And there's insights that are somehow meaningful when we can't immediately find an application for them, though. And take the book of Proverbs, for example. You know, the writer says, If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it'll be taken as a curse. So, in other words, wait till your neighbor gets showered and they've eaten breakfast before you start shouting blessings over the fence to them. In other words, too, we know that the Bible speaks in different ways to us that we really have to grasp what those meanings are. You know, Jesus' words to his disciples in Matthew 16, they're packed with good-to-know items and insights. And they come at us no matter how many times we've studied them or perhaps preachers have preached them. But these words here in Matthew 16, they can have a tone that can feel harsh when they're read. And it seems to lack context for the blunt picture that it paints. You know, after all, prior to this moment in Matthew 16, Matthew has been painting a, a largely positive picture for Jesus and his disciples. Now, we do know that John the Baptist had been murdered, but for Jesus, it's been miracles and healings. It's been profound parables that he speaks to the people. 
And there's also victorious verbal battles that he's had with the religious leaders of his day. Plus, a few verses earlier, Peter had one of the greatest wow moments in human history as he clearly confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And yet, here comes Jesus with a list of rather strange insights about following him, and it really jars the disciples and even us out of joy. And yet they're so filled with truth that we can't ignore them. We can't help but sense that they'll come in handy sometime, perhaps even sometime soon. They're good to know. So let's take a look at a few of these that Jesus shares. You know, first of all, Jesus is not surprised at all by his suffering and death and resurrection. He saved us with eyes that were wide open. He knew what was going on and what was going to take place. And that's a good thing to know. Look at verse 21. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hand of the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, be raised to life. It's tempting to see Jesus as some random savior who didn't know that there was a cross ahead of him. But instead, we knew that he was the one who embraced the cross. And he faithfully pursued it on our behalf and for the people of all time. Christ understood the path of righteousness. It would be one of suffering for Jesus. And he also understood that his ultimate death at that trial, it would be realized through a resurrected life. And how he understood that, it really must shape, too, how we see our own lives as we follow in his footsteps. You know, Jesus doesn't need us to protect him or defend him, okay? He's the almighty God. But he wants us to follow him. And yet those former things I just spoke about, that's what Peter was really trying to do in his famous attempt of talking Jesus out of the cross in verse 22. He says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. We're going to make sure about that. He assumes that there's a a shinier, a brighter path for his man, Jesus. And he also believes that's for the rest of those who are going to travel with him, too. But Jesus reminds us, as he reminded Peter and the others, that our task is not to protect him but to follow him. And for us, as Jesus says, to find ourselves, we must lose ourselves first. That's also very good to know. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Jesus tells us that discipleship is contrary to common sense. In the same way that we don't protect Jesus from his path, we must not protect ourselves from that path either. Jesus' point is very clear. If you want to be a follower of his, you have to see life as he sees it, and also to live life as he lived it. From a Christian perspective, life is a means to serve others, and to sacrifice for others in order to do God's will. 
You know, we see that love of Christ in so many people who are going down to Texas and Louisiana right now. It's that love of how we have been treated by God that motivates us to serve others. If you spend some time, again, looking at that Romans 12 passage, there's many things there that Paul speaks about the way we should live our lives. And some of those may seem contrary to what our normal sense of thinking is, but yet it's God's way of thinking. We know that to have a genuine life, that we need to follow this process for life here and for eternity as well. You know, in our American culture, we're pretty much told the opposite, aren't we? We think of ourselves first, that's what people want us to do, and also to consume all that we can, as often as we can. And yet sometimes we can wonder how much happiness has been found in people of our society who live that way. Now, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal some years back that was entitled, Rich, Successful, and Miserable. It was based on a survey of some sociologists, and they did that to determine if making more money really made people happy. And they discovered when people did get a raise, well, they were happy for about a month. And then almost everyone began to spend up to that next level of their income. And so as a result... It wasn't long before they still felt strapped and uptight and even unhappy as they did before they got the raise. The article is fascinating because at the end, the author gives three ways of finding happiness. One of the ways is giving more money away. He says you'll be happier that way. Another way was to invest your time serving others. How we see life, it really determines what we believe and how we'll live. And that's why Jesus tells you and me to lose our lives for his sake. Because then we'll find it. Now, Some of you might remember the TV episode Seinfeld, uh, where George Costanza, you know, who is probably the most selfish, self-centered, unhappy, neurotic character that's probably ever been on TV, You know, he comes into the coffee shop and he's talking to Jerry and Elaine and he's just explaining that his life is just not working. He says that his entire life has turned out to be just the opposite of what he wanted. And Jerry tells him that he needs to start to choose the opposite of everything he feels. And to everyone's surprise, George begins to do so in this show. He starts to tell the truth instead of lying all the time. He starts treating women with respect. And he starts to love his parents instead of putting them down all the time. He starts even to show self-control instead of going into a rage every time he's behind the wheel of his vehicle. And in the process, George gets a new job. He gets a new girlfriend, a better relationship with his family, And he gets some self-respect. George lost his old life. But in the process, he found a new life that was much better. Now, you know, that was just a silly TV show. But what Jesus says here in Matthew is really true for each of us. If we want to be a follower of Christ, we want to see life as Jesus sees it. And we want to live our life as he lived it, 
doing God's will. And there will be a reward in the end when Jesus returns. The Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, he says. And then he'll reward each person according to what he's done. That's really a good thing to know, isn't it? Sure, we're not told about the the details of what it'll be for those of us who die to self through faith in Christ. But there will be the certainty of it. The promises that God has given have never been broken. So what kind of prize will it be? Will it be some great parade around the pearly gates that we're going to have? Will it be a monetary prize? And if it is monetary, is it going to be in dollars, euros, bitcoins nowadays with the internet? The lack of detail about that would really bother us if Jesus hadn't proven himself so trustworthy through his death and resurrection. And so while we just don't know what that reward will look like, we can be absolutely certain that there will be one. This is all a very challenging portion of Scripture for us. But notice that it contains here a great promise. It says that if we live life like Jesus did, we'll find life now here as we enjoy those blessings of God, as we know his presence with us, and he'll reward us when he returns. The world, they don't know a whole lot. The world's even filled with some strange and painfully obvious information, too. For example, there's a a website that's actually called dumbwarnings.com. And it's a website that compiles the world's most obvious warning labels that's found on everyday products. At our house, we've got a, a bottle of Shout Gel, triple action cleaner. And on the back of that bottle, it says, Do not treat garment while wearing. There's the scrubbing bubbles. It's a shower, automatic shower cleaner you can put in there. And it says right there, it's not a body wash. There's even a steam iron that says, never iron clothes while they are being worn. Now, while most of these may be obvious to most individuals, the sad fact that the only reason these warnings are placed on the products in the first place is because at somewhere, someplace, Someone wasn't as wise as we are. And that's maybe how the insights from Jesus would strike us too. They're strange. They are true. And they're obvious. And yet for a good number of those who come to our churches, who fill our sanctuaries, and especially the people out in the streets of our neighborhood, we know that The idea of a God who chooses suffering and death, that's really a strange concept, isn't it? Or that the idea of our ultimate reward is guaranteed now, but it's not delivered until then. That's foreign to people. It's all good to know, and it's essential to know also. But many don't know it. Many in this world don't know about that love of God and what there is that lies ahead for those who have faith in him. Instead, they're going down a dark path that's going to lead to a place they don't want to end up at. Which of Jesus' insights here 
his strange but essential, tough but true, good to know items, which of those is really needed for you the most today? Is your picture of Jesus a little too safe? Is it one that perhaps doesn't, even for yourself, want to take challenges and stick your neck out for his sake? Are you at a particularly low point? You're needing to be reminded that you are now closer than ever to the goodness of God. Is there someone in your life who is near the end of his or her life, fighting for breath and wondering, you know, has it been worth it? If so, it's good to know that there is a reward for each of us. And for some people, it may come very soon. I'm a golfer. A lot of you may know that. A golf ball has a regulation size of 336 dimples. John Lennon's first girlfriend, her name was Thelma Pickles. And that plastic bag that you bring your groceries home in, it's not a toy. These are all things that are good to know. And some of those may come in handy at an upcoming trivia night or perhaps when you're, you're struggling for that dinner conversation with someone. If such trivial facts can seem evenly remotely useful for us, how much more are the words of Jesus that he shares with us, especially in today's text, that they're worthy of some space in our brain and also in the hearts of all people. You can know for certain that Jesus doesn't need us to defend him or to protect him. But he does want us to follow him all the way to heaven. And my prayer for each of us here and everyone that we worship with, we serve with, is that in the the coming weeks and months and years, that other people will be able to look at our church and school as we reach out even more. And that people will say, hey, those folks there at Trinity, they really love God. And they care about other people. And if that's true, then someday when Jesus returns, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. He might say even, you saw life as I did. And you live life as I did. And then he'll say, enter into the joy of your master. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.